It was uh, July 4 of 1998. Uh, Chris made a phone call that I wasn't actually there, but when it was reported to me, uh, I don't think that I'm ever going to forget uh, the conversation. Um, and it comes to my mind from time to time. Uh, she called her grandma that day, uh, Tilly Almond. Uh, a lot of you uh, have, had met Tilly before she passed away. She would come here and worship with us from time to time. And uh, uh, you see, a couple of years before, I can't remember if it was 95 or 96, Chris's grandpa died on July 4th. And, uh, and so, you know, that's kind of a downer of a day, uh, you know, for Tilly when she's getting up that morning. But late, late in the evening on July 3rd, 1998, Chris gave birth to our oldest child, Rick. And Tilly didn't know it yet. And that morning she got to call her grandma and let her know, you know, there's good news. There's a new little baby boy in the family and we named him Richard Carl after grandpa. And Graham's Tilly said something like this. I woke up this morning expecting it to be a sad and, and gloomy day. But all of a sudden there was joy. There was joy. Paul talks about joy in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Philippians is sometimes called the book of joy. But, but he, he says this. If there's any encouragement in Christ... If there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. I, I like that. If, if there's any encouragement in Christ, what do you think? Is there encouragement in Christ? The fact that he has died to pay for our sins, that he has risen from the dead, he's going to come again and he's going to set everything right. We're going to rise from the dead, live with him in glory. There's some good news there. If there is any comfort from love, think of the love that you have experienced in your families, but also the, the love that you have experienced in Christ. That he would love you so much that he would give himself for you. That's incredible. Good news. If there is any participation in the Spirit, anybody here baptized? Further, I'm like, you know, somebody get the water. We're not used to doing altar calls here, but we got to get some people wet. In the name of Jesus. What happened when you were baptized? Your sins were washed away. You received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's at work in you. And this comforter, this counselor is at work in you every day to keep you in faith. You've re You've experienced affection and sympathy through the body of Christ at work in your lives. This fellowship that we have with one another. 
You know, we live in a world that will often drag us down. I was, I was just talking with somebody yesterday. You know, he's like, so what are you reading these days? You know, he, he, uh, he listens to audiobooks when he rides. I like to listen to him when I run. You know, and we're just kind of comparing. And, uh, and, you know, just, you know, he goes, I, I don't watch the news anymore. I don't listen to the news anymore. I can't read the newspaper anymore. I just can't stand it. I just feel, I just feel this anxiety. I just feel depressed. You know, so I avoid it. This world has a way of, of bringing people down. It's like we get up and we expect the day to be dark and gloomy. And it really is leading uh, to a form of nihilism in, in our world. You know, that people, they look and they say, nihilism, that's, that's when nothing matters. And it takes a couple of different forms. Sometimes it's this really dark kind of you know, suicidal even form that nothing matters so you, you just take whatever you want. Um, the happier form of it you know, is kind of this you know, eat, drink, be merry because tomorrow we die so every day is going to be a party. And it's just kind of this, this hopeless thing. And that's what the world kind of keeps shoving at us. And it's nothing new. It's, it's been there all along. You know, that, that phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, you can find that in the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. But in Christ, we have joy. We, we, we have this, this goodness that even in the midst of all the, the dark and the sorrow says, no, everything is going to be Okay. Not because I'm going to be able to sort it out. Not because I'm so great or I have things under control. But because my God has loved me. Everything is going to be okay because Jesus has come and he has put himself between me and that gloom. And he has come to be the light in the darkness. And he says, because you have this joy, it shows in this unity that we have in Christ. The love that we have for one another. We talked about this last week, this this image of, of a group of people who are meant to be together. And I believe that's us. That God has called us to this time, to this place. To be his servants here. To be beacons of hope. To shine the light of this good news that brings real joy in the midst of the darkness and gloom. So we belong with one another because of Jesus' salvation. He has knit us together as his body. And this congregation is part of that larger body. And when you think about a congregation, when you think about the church and and, and this relationship that we have with each other, what is it it that damages or even breaks this unity? What is it that dampens that joy? Did I hear somebody say stewardship sermons? No. 
I get more in trouble from stewardship sermons than anything else I've ever preached on. Uh, But seriously, I, I think that as we look at our lives, the thing that damages our joy more than anything more than, than uh, the thing that damages our unity more than anything. I mean, you're, you're expecting to hear sin. And yes, this is, this is about sin. But this is a particular manifestation of sin. And it's entitlement. Entitlement. The sense that I deserve, I should get. You need to meet me where I am. And isn't that so very different from what Jesus chose to do in the way that he has responded to us? Because the picture that that we get here in Philippians, the picture of Jesus, the picture of God's people, is one of humility. And you, you don't get any more different from entitlement than humility. The sense of, uh, well, entitlement focuses us, us in on ourselves and humility then turns us out to focus on, on others. Notice it doesn't mean that we just kind of like, you know, oh, woe is me. <laughs> That's kind of a form of entitlement too, Right? You know, oh, look at how I suffer. Because what are you looking for? People to look at you because you're suffering. And you get what you want sometimes when you do that, right? Humility is genuinely loving outwardly. And this entitlement idea, it's corrosive. I recently listened to a book by Mark Manson. Um, and, and he says, what, what, if, what if you gave up this sense of entitlement? What if you gave up this sense that the world is supposed to go exactly the way you think it's supposed to go and that everybody's supposed to do the things that you know, make you happy? What would happen if you gave up this idea that the whole world revolves around you? What if we turn our focus outward to those people around us and instead of living for ourselves, we start living for those people that Manson wouldn't have put it this way, but uh, uh, I think that maybe St. Paul would have. What if we start focusing on those people that God is bringing into your life? And that happens on a variety of different levels, right? I'm looking out there at some parents. God has brought some people into your lives, right? They live in your house. But then I'm also seeing some business owners out there. And you have people who work for you. And, you know, God has brought some people into your lives. And I see some people, you know, who uh, in retirement, they have these associations with other people. These are people that God has brought into your life to have the opportunity to speak good news into their their gloom, to bring joy 
into their darkness. And I think this is really hard for us, particularly as citizens of the United States of America. Because when you listen to the rhetoric out there, it's all about rights. I have a right, I have a right, I have a right. And very rarely is the conversation about I have a responsibility. Very rarely is it about how do you love your neighbor? It's me, me, me. You know, and we have this individualism. You know, I'll stand on my own two feet, thank you very much. And you better be able to stand on your own two feet too. Whoa. That does not sound like Jesus, who calls us to have love and compassion on one another and to help those in need, to walk a life of faith, which is a life of trust. You know, it's hard in our culture. But as I look out here, I'm looking at people who have been given a new identity. There is something in your life that is bigger than your citizenship. It's bigger than your family. It's bigger than all of these other associations that we have in this life and in this world. And this new identity is that you are a baptized child of God. Jesus has written his name on you. You have a new life, a new identity in him. And it turns us toward Jesus. We we call that repentance. When we turn away from our sin and we turn to Jesus and we live in his forgiveness and we experience his love. But it doesn't stop there. This love of Jesus that we've experienced, it turns us outward to love our neighbors. We call that reconciliation. And it's again an expression of love. The love that we've received from Jesus applied in really practical ways as we relate to one another. And and Paul digs into this in Philippians 2, 4 through 5. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This this being able to look outwards, it's because you are in Christ Jesus. It's because of the work that he's doing in you. Now, if there was ever anybody who was entitled to expect only good things in his life, was it not Jesus I mean, he's the second person of the Trinity. He is God who comes in human flesh. I I mean, it's an amazing thing when you think about it. But listen to what Philippians says, because we're talking about God Almighty here. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the very form of God, he actually is God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped because it was already his, but emptied himself. 
by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, in the likeness of humanity, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. Even the most shameful kind of death. A criminal's death on a cross to bear our sins. And this is, this is where our relationship with God starts to be restored. In God emptying, humbling, and coming to us. And why did he do that? Why would he go through all that? In the book of Hebrews, it says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. What's what's Jesus' joy? It's you, reconciled to him, to his Father to one another in the forgiveness and salvation that that he has won for you. So when we look at this world and we see the darkness and the gloom, in our lives, joy has broken through because we know the cross and the empty tomb and because of this, you know, Jesus is given the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow on heaven, earth, and just kind of this everywhere, uh, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, there's this boom, this moment of, of joy here in the text. There's a good news that has come from the outside to you that brings you joy, life, hope, and and it's not just that it comes to you, like, you know, oh, I'm just going to take that and hold it for myself. But you get to carry that out into the world and share that hope with others. You know, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? There's one other time that he talks about the light of the world. And you know who he says is the light of the world? You. You are the light of the world because you carry this good news into the gloom. And he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's really saying, how should we live in light of what God has done for us? There's awe. There's amazement. And this is heady stuff when you think about the love of God that's been revealed to us in Jesus. God's power is in you. To turn you outward, to love him, to love your neighbor, and to make you humble. Humble enough to serve. And it's kind of a strange thing as we go through election year humility and power. (laughs) Humility and power, they don't often walk together, do they? But they do in us. Because of Jesus. So be glad. Rejoice. Christ is doing something in you and through you. And the embodiment of that work is here. 
you hear good news. You have heard again. Your sins are forgiven. You're hearing law and gospel, things that confront our sin, but things that comfort us with with Jesus' love and forgiveness. We're here living in repentance. We're here entitled? No. Humbly receiving the gifts that, that Jesus gives us, and it gives us joy. And so maybe you're out there going, well, what in the world does this have to do with stewardship? This is what we've been given to steward. This message that gives joy. And then when you start to back away from that, well, how do we get that out to the world? How do we do this together? What is the financial implication of that? What is the time implication of that? That's what stewardship is really all about. It's getting this message of Christ out to the world. It's delivering it to you. It's delivering it to our neighbors. So as you consider your pledge, think about this. What what joy has God given you? What joy has he given to us as a congregation? What does it look like to humbly and joyfully return to the Lord from the blessings that he's given us? Because this isn't supposed to be something that is, you know, onerous and difficult. Not out of compulsion, but out of joy. And it's a response to the good news, the response to joy, a response to light, the light of Christ shining in the dark. Amen.